to be and that is completely free thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash dlc pod they bring the show to you and as a reward they get bonus stuff they get ad free episodes they get an extra show called paid dlc which has been so much fun on wednesdays we check in if you'd like to become a patron and get some of that cool stuff, including video versions of the show, although not this week because Christian's not here. Uh, but usually video versions, you can go to patreon.com slash DLC pod, support the show, make sure we continue and get yourself some extra bonus cool stuff. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T, and I'm usually joined by Christian. But this week, DLC stands for Duo I Love to Chat With, because I have not one, but two guests joining me this week, filling in for Christian in the second chair, one of my favorite people on the planet. You know her, you love her. She is senior animator at Riot Games. Lana Bashinsky is back with us. Hey, Lana. Hi. Uh, I am, first of all, that's very sweet. Uh, and second of all, I'm actually lead animator at Riot Games now. <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. No My worries. Goodness. No, it was, uh, you know. I would not expect you to keep track of my title changes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have asked before we started. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's uh, something that was sort of happening behind the scenes for a while now, and it's uh, fun and weird and wow. mostly cool to have the official title. So I have to ask, what yeah. what is for, for us lay people who are not necessarily <laughs> uh, up to date on all of the, the distinctions therein, what 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 new responsibilities does that entail? Um, well, I've been sort of doing this for a while, but I guess the difference between being a senior animator and a lead animator is, uh, well, the biggest one is I have like a reports now. So I have several other animators who report to me um, and I will be sort of in charge of making sure that all of them are in line with the animation vision of the project. Keeping people um, in line. Is that oh, what yeah. Just, yeah. Just keeping them in line. Keeping them in line. Um, and that's really it. I have like a whistle. <laughs> people, they hate it. Um, no, it's uh, making sure that we're all aligned around the vision of the animation vision of the project, um, sort of facilitating the reviews and things per, per week. Um uh, organizing with the other leadership of the project to make sure that we are all aligned on what's necessary um, and helping with career growth for the people that I work with. That's so, awesome. Yeah. It's, and you're still, and you're working on something that has yet to be announced, right? We can't, we don't even get to know what that is yet, right? No, I can't, I can't talk about <sighs> anything I'm doing, unfortunately. So exciting. So exciting. <laughs> it is so exciting. It is a yeah. uh, very, it feels, um, 
like things are moving really fast and it feels very much like a, a very cool dream I've been sort of floating through the last couple of years. So uh, excited for the change and excited to see where uh, the future takes me. Well, I cannot wait to find out more. Also, before yeah. we get to our other guest, I want to reveal something that is pretty exciting with regards to Lana Bashinsky, And that is mm. she has graciously agreed to join us on the paid DLC show on a semi-regular basis. Woo! So it has been uh, mostly uh, Christian and I on Wednesdays uh, checking in midweek. And now uh, Lana is going to be there on a semi-regular, uh, <laughs> I think maybe every other week, something like that. Maybe. Um, I don't want to let the guarantee every other week, right. but uh, if I can do every other, every, every, every other week that I can be there for, <laughs> I will be there for. <laughs> well, just the fact that we're going to be able to chat with her more frequently is going to be a delight. So uh, that will be exclusive to our patrons. Uh, and uh, it's going to be so much fun having a, having you a part of that. So uh, check that out. DLC uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash DLC pod. All right. I, that Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say I'm so pumped about it because I'll feel a lot less crazy than when I'm like commuting to work or like in the gym and listening to you and Christian talk and also just saying what I would say <laughs> if I were there out loud to my to to the void. So looking forward to, you know, actually having the proper outlet. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Continue. No, we appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We like we like being uh, spoken to even if we can't hear you, you know. <laughs> We appreciate that. Um, hey, we have another guest who is uh, one of my favorites, has been on a number of times. So excited. You know him from the Mega Dads podcasting empire. Adam Leonard is back with us again. Hey, Adam. <laughs> hey, how's it going, guys? You know, first of all, I am really excited. This is the first time I've been on the show since the new theme. Um, I don't know how you guys managed to get Stephen Hawking to do the uh, <laughs> to, do, to do the vocals on your on your very new expensive. theme song. Um, very expensive, yeah. And in lieu <laughs> of that, and and be inspired by that, my voice might sound a little bit robotic. I've been told for this episode, so hopefully your viewers, your listeners, will um, will bear with me in that. And also, I know Lana has you know her exciting job promotion to talk about, but. I, in my personal, in my family, I have recently been promoted to uh, lead parent um, in my house. So that's oh really that's really exciting. My kids have both um, decided that I'm the best parent in the house, wow. um, which Incredible. only really also, means. It, it, ironically, <laughs> uh, the. Let's go ahead. Sorry. It, it only really means that I have to deal with more of the whining. <laughs> I was going to say, ironically, it's the same new responsibility in that you are keeping people in line. <laughs> it just it just means that I have to deal with more of the uh, nonsense um, yeah. and my wife gets to sit back and, and drink more wine. But I'm excited about this, um, about this recent in-house promotion. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. I'm it's, very excited. Everybody, everybody is just uh, doing so well right now. <laughs> I have, I, have, I have nothing to report, <laughs> but it's wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into the show. I'm excited. Uh, Christian, uh, I should note, is uh, enjoying the uh, Memorial Day weekend, and we want to, of course, show our support uh, for all of the brave men and women who have kept uh, our country safe. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
it's easy to just think about this as a long holiday weekend, but you know, it's it's nice to take a second and and reflect on uh, people who are uh, giving their lives for the safety of of us here in the country. So don't want to take that lightly either. Uh, but Christian will be back uh, next week, I think. Although he may, he's got a lot of travel. I'll be honest, he's uh he's also leveled up in some way and is now traveling way more this this uh, year. So. Um, we will, we will definitely talk to him on Wednesday, if nothing else, but, uh, I am so excited to have this crew and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you send comments or questions, your own reviews, if you like. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have uh, places that you can post stories, communities, uh, both on Discord at 5x5DLC on the Discord. Uh, awesome folks hanging out there. And the subreddit, which is also 5x5DLC.reddit.com. Great places to post stories if you're thinking about them, would like us to consider them as our story of the week. But Adam, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, I've got to be a little bit of a homer this week. I, you know, listeners and friends of mine know that I am a huge PlayStation fan. Um, and so the announcement this week of all of the... Um, cinematic and television media enterprises that are going into the PlayStation universe. The fact that we have a horizon series that is coming to Netflix. Um, God of war. We already knew was going to be coming to Amazon prime, but there's also a grand Turismo project, which has kind of been bouncing back and forth. Uh, at first it was reported. It was going to be a series. Um, and now there's some recent reporting that it's actually going to be a, a scripted movie. Um, I am very, very excited about this. I'm a huge Horizon fan. That's kind of the one that has my eye. Um, this is a franchise that PlayStation and Sony has made clear that that is kind of their tentpole property going forward. Uh, Aloy is a huge PlayStation beacon. And the fact that we are going to see her in some form or fashion on the big or little screen, I guess, is very exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, pretty uh pretty big push evidently from Sony to get all these properties. Of course, we know about the uh the Twisted Metal movie that's supposedly happening and of course Last of Us should be coming to HBO um in the next year. So, big push with their uh premiere properties. I I would think that a Gran Turismo show or movie would be a documentary you know it would be a very austere <laughs> very slow paced it's just the history of cars they sit you down in a coffee shop and they're like and now let's talk about the history of cars it all yeah. takes place in a cafe yes exactly <laughs> i can't imagine the grand turismo movie is this high high intensity action film but who knows what we're gonna get out of that uh but like you i'm a huge horizon fan and i obviously i mean those those games are so cinematic. That universe is so well realized. It's so different from anything else. This combination of the the post apocalyptic, uh, you know, uh, uh, primitive kind of uh, tribal landscape mixed with this high tech, you know, robots, uh, animal robots. It just it, it 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 feels like it 
makes a perfect series or film. Uh, But my question to you is, are you hoping, I mean, because we don't know any details about this at all, other than something's happening at Netflix. Are you hoping that it will be a live action series or film or something like, uh, like uh, Lana's compatriots over at Riot gave us that uh, amazing animated vision of uh, of a video game world uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the name of the show is escaping me right now. Arcane. But... Yes, Arcane. Thank you. Um, so, what, uh, Adam? What would you what would you prefer if you could make the choice? I mean, I guess like my first. My my first instinct, first of all, I loved the Uncharted movie. I know it's kind of like a hit and miss with a lot of viewers, but I loved the Uncharted movie. I took my my son and my wife to go see it, and it was such it was such a treat to see one of my favorite video game franchises on the big screen in a in a different way. Like it honored the game, but it was it was, it was its own thing. Um, but one of the things is with PlayStation Productions is there their um their stinger reel that plays before the movie the very first thing you see is Aloy so when we went to see the Uncharted movie my son's eyes lit up because he's also a huge uh, huge Horizon fan he saw Aloy first Aloy was the very first thing for PlayStation uh, PlayStation Productions and so my mind went to what would a Horizon movie be like and I think, you know, it's Jurassic Park mixed with Terminator, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah, that seems ways, yeah. big and bombastic and huge. Um, but the thing about the games is there is so much lore to that to that property. Like it's it's such a superficially action-packed game, but there's so much story there. There's so much backstory and lore and world building to that property. I just, I want to see it done right. And to me, like we've already seen it in animated form with the video game. So I'm kind of hoping it's live action. Uh, I don't have any like dream casting for it, but I want to see this, this property explored and, and broadened in this new series. I'm, I'm just so excited to see what they could possibly do with this thing. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I agree. A, a live action realization because the, the the visuals on those games are so close to, to photo real. It's it's really quite something to see. You know, they they cast Aloy. The, there's a uh, voice actor and also a face. I guess um, what's the word um, reference? Uh, you know, um, and uh, and so she, you know, she's a real human being. You can see pictures of the of the actor that that plays Aloy uh, and you know, it's, it's nearly photo real. So yeah, we have both this kind of like animated vision of it and a, and a kind of live action vision of it. It's kind of lives in that place between. So, right. Uh, it, I, I don't know, Lana, do you I'll put you on the spot? Do you have any fantasy casting for what an Aloy might be? Well, well, I got, a, I have a few thoughts about the story. First of all, I have to say it up front. If I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. I've always loved Gran Turismo for the plot. So really can't wait to see that come to life. Well done. Really looking forward to the depth that's going to be brought forward on the cinematic venue. Yeah, you just gotta um, wonder which Gran Turismo are they gonna base this one on, you know? Like I mean, there's gonna be a whole subplot about mufflers. You, you go all the way back to the first Gran Turismo and use that plot, or do you use uh, a later? Or just you know, wow! What are they the possibilities do? are endless. I see a big future. You know, ten seasons. 
yeah. Um, as for Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, I don't have a dream casting, but I do have sort of a – well, there's a couple of things. I have no dream casting, but I, I guess my dream would be not seeing Aloy's story. And I know mm. that's like kind of like a maybe a lame take because people would love to see that. Like, oh, like just for the interest of who they cast as Aloy, but I would love to see her as like a cameo and like see other stories of what's happening in this world. I know lots of people don't have PlayStation 5s. I know – uh, that lots of people haven't had a chance to play uh, Horizon Forbidden West, so I don't want to say anything. But it'd be really interesting to see more glimpses of other people in this world, right. how the machines are impacting their lives. And the only thing that makes me nervous about a live action situation is that I do think that the VFX can really make or break it. Like. Yeah. I mean, there's so many super talented, I mean, now I'm getting down the animation rabbit hole here, but so many talented VFX houses, so many incredible animators and compositors, but depending on how long, the, how big the project is slated to be and how much the machines are going to be a, a focal point, which is obviously probably huge, I would really want it to be, I would want it to feel as immersive as it does when I'm playing the game. Yeah. And if it can't like quite achieve that, I could see that really being something that could uh, really make or break it. Yeah, no, I, I I think those are great points. I um we we know that whatever that announced uh, PlayStation VR two Horizon game is going to be is not going to feature Aloy, or at least she won't be the central character. Mm. So it's you're going to be playing as some new part of that universe. Um, so there is, you know, precedent a little bit, at least, I mean, it hasn't come out yet, but we know that there's a little bit of precedent for them, uh, for Gorilla being open to other characters having the limelight in that world. So that's, a, that's an interesting idea. Um, you know, I, it's, I'm mixed because I do think you're absolutely right. You know, even the Halo series. I like, haven't seen it yet. It's, it's it, yeah, it. There are definitely really good things about it. Um, I haven't watched all of it, but uh, it, it, the, the VFX are both great and problematic in, you know, at, at various points. So, mm. yeah, it does kind of live and die on that sometimes, especially with these, these you know, high concept uh, video game properties. And, we, you know, we brought up Arcane, the League of Legends animated show, which is so good. And I mean, it's really an outlier about, you know, how spectacular it is. And I should say Netflix with their recent financial troubles basically Ugh. ended their entire animation division. So there's Ugh. basically zero chance this is an animated show. I'm so <laughs> glad you mentioned that. I was actually thinking that when I was reading it earlier and forgot to say it, but I'm like, I'm very frustrated with Netflix in general. There are so many incredibly talented animation directors and people in the animation department. It's just like cut across the board, which yeah. is wild to me because it, Netflix was felt like it was being the safe haven for animation um, uh, artists to really flourish and like make unique things that other companies like, weren't willing to like put down the dollars for and then Netflix yeah. was like I'm just kidding we also aren't um <laughs> uh so now it's like oh are they just sort of like hot swapping <laughs> they're like okay people want animated things video games are animated what if <laughs> and they're like yeah. just finding the cheaper ways to do like pull in the same viewership I don't know 
Uh, yeah, I yeah. will say the only thing about this project that, like, I would have loved to go to a movie. I, I'm a big movie theater guy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a dude who will, like, go to the theater for those big movies. That is the only thing about this where it's like, I probably would have loved to go see Horizon in the big screen. Yeah. Um, that's my only reservation here. I, I, I don't know anything about television production. Obviously, there's a lot of money there, but... I I would have I I had such a great time seeing Uncharted on the big screen with my popcorn and with my family around me. So that's the only thing where I'm kind of like, what is this going to be like in a smaller scale? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think you know we haven't really talked about the God of War project, uh, but that also feels like um, you know the iconography of that game is mm-hmm. so distinct, and especially the 2018 game and hopefully the 2022 <laughs> sequel. Um, <laughs> are again so close to photo real that anything less than, I mean, especially, you know, that, that God of war remake or not remake, but uh, you know, the, the subtitle subtitle less 2018 game is shot like a film. I mean, it, that right. long continuous take and it, it feels like a movie already. It, it almost feels like it might be redundant to just do that again, but I don't know. <laughs> what if, <laughs> Sorry, what if for the God of War project on Amazon Prime, they're just like, no, we're going back to the beginning. We want like just gore and murder and nudity Harems and just inappropriate mini game built in with your remote. <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of a very um, that is a very relevant take is like when I think of they've announced Ghost of Tsushima is going to be a movie. Yeah. And when I think of who I want to play Jin Sakai, it's the guy who plays Jin Sakai yeah. in the game. Yeah. yeah, right. And at that point, is there really any point to putting it on the big screen when the video game did it so well? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're going to get the answer to that question with the Last of Us show, right? Because yeah. the casting for that is very different. I mean, Pe- Pedro Pascal, yep. very different uh, take on Joel, I think. And I think that's cool. I think... I think um, kudos to them for being like, well, hey, we don't need to just give you as close to a representation of the game as possible. We're actually going to reimagine this a little bit. And and we'll be interesting to see how much they reimagine it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, last question on this topic. Adam, do you have any unannounced Sony properties that you're like, ah, oh, that's got to be the next one that comes to a <laughs> show or a movie? Oh, man. You know, to me, like when I think of PlayStation right now, currently, it's all the things that they've announced. It's Uncharted. It's Ghost of Tsushima. It's Horizon. They're all such cinematic properties. Um, I I really I mean, I'm not a huge Twisted Metal fan, but they've got that in the wings right now. Grand Turismo. I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what that is. but I really feel like they're taking such a big swing here. And the really interesting part is they're taking such a big swing across multiple channels. Like all of these series and all of these movies are debuting on different um, streaming mediums. They've got mm-hmm. Twisted Metal's Peacock, um, yeah. Horizon is Netflix, God of War is Amazon. Uh, it's really interesting that they seem to be trying to reach as many people as possible 
to to kind of make these properties as big as possible. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, the correct answer that you failed to give me is Astrobot because uh, yeah, Astro, the Astro, Chris Pratt <laughs> is Astrobot. See, I I see what you're saying there, but I actually earlier. I think Gran Turismo is really the big miss. It could have been Crash Team Racing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for like the same like intense like vehicle <laughs> focus yeah. on Dingo Dials <laughs> go-kart. Like I want all the specs. I want to know the drama of the race. I'm that ready gets, for That gets messy now because <laughs> Xbox owns Activision. That's yeah, that's all that's kinds true. of messy now. Yeah. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago, um, I guess three or four years ago now, when they had the the Crash uh, uh, remake or whatever it was, they did those commercials with the guy in the Crash Bandicoot suit? <laughs> yes. Like oh, that, yeah, I That's do. how you do that. That's, just do that <laughs> as a series. The guy's face hanging out of his teeth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lana, what is yeah. your story of the week? Um, my story of the week, you know, it's maybe it's not like the, maybe not the most important story, but it's the most important story for me as a fan probably uh, is Star Wars Jedi Survivor is officially announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very exciting. It's the sequel to Fallen Order um, from Respawn and they announced it during the Star Wars celebration this week and it just is a, a teaser trailer with, uh, you know. Good old Cal Kestis and pals, uh, yeah. I think is the actual uh, name. And uh, yeah, looks beautiful. I can't, uh, cannot wait to try it out. Yeah, it is officially a 2023 game. Uh, we don't know at what point in 2023, if it's an end of the year 2023 game or not. But uh, yeah, this uh, also we know that there were some rumors to this effect, but it has been confirmed that this game will only be for the current gen consoles. It will not be on your Xbox Ones or PlayStation 4s. It will be PS5, Xbox Series consoles, and PC. Uh, so uh, I, I'm expecting a uh, a visual uh, tour de force <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. from Respawn. And uh, yeah, I mean, not much to go on as far as what the plot is going to be or what any changes will be to the formula. But uh, Lena, do you have any hopes for what you see? Did you, you I'm assuming you enjoyed Fallen Order. I, I did as well. Um, what, what are you hoping to see in the next iteration of this franchise? Well, I enjoyed Fallen Order. Uh, well, I, when I was playing it, actually, uh, the thing I said the most was that I loved everything about it. And actually playing it was my least favorite part. I thought that the yeah. audio was incredible. The visuals were amazing. The story was great. The casting was wonderful. Like it felt like such a great Star Wars experience. Mm. But there's parts about the combat that I found very frustrating. In that they're going for the the souls like challenge to things, but rather than it being more frequently like a one on one kind of fight that you would get. It would be like the challenge of hitting the button presses just right to make sure you're doing the right thing versus the right enemy. But you'd be mm-hmm. like surrounded by stormtroopers who are just kind of shooting you from off the side. Yeah. And so I'm hoping to see how that combat develops and hopefully finds a little bit more of its own niche of like sort of threading the needle between something that feels as powerful as a Jedi just tearing through um, hordes of stormtroopers versus like that one-on-one individual challenge of 
of the patience and, and awareness of doing the right thing at the right time. So yeah. hoping to see the combat. Um, uh, just really curious to see how it evolves. Yeah, as am I. And uh, I, I totally agree with you. I thought the, the story was fantastic. Uh, I think one of the best Star Wars stories ever mm-hmm. on, in a video game. And uh, there's, there's this rumor that we may see Cal Kestis in a different property, like in the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show, which would yeah. be pretty wild to see that. I don't know if that's actually happening, but there's a rumor. Well, um, they had the little robot in uh, Boba Fett. Boba right. Fett? Yeah. Yeah. So I would. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be very hyped. I mean, it'd be such an exciting thing to see, sort of that acknowledgement from like the wider canon. Yeah. But like having that sort of impact on the uh, the film stuff would be totally. Cool. Yeah. You. It's kind of cool that that you know these pan media properties now have such cool overlap i mean mm-hmm. that, that's been happening for a while i remember the old matrix games were supposed to be like be in canon and mm-hmm. stuff but um it's, it's neat to see the star wars universe uh actually you know making good on that kind of idea too mm-hmm. um adam i'd like to pivot a little bit uh, on this topic and kind of ask you the the methodology for announcing these games has become so <laughs> set right? It has become so predictable that first you get the sort of like, we're making it. Uh, it's definitely happening. There's a sequel coming. Then you get, maybe you get the, like the title and the, the, the subtitle of what it's going to be. And then you invariably get this pre-rendered cutscene trailer. And then we will eventually get the gameplay trailer and then, you know, more marketing leading up to the game's release. But do do we think that's the best way to do this? Are you excited seeing a pre-rendered kind of teaser trailer? Is that is that, you know, we knew this game was happening. The teaser right. doesn't really show anything to sink your teeth into. It is just, "Hey, yes, this game is happening. We know the subtitle. It has Cal Kestis in it again. Get get hyped." Is that enough right. or what do you think? I think there are boy Oh, um, first of all, I will say that anytime I see a CG game trailer that says arriving next year, uh, my first gut instinct is BS (laughs) (laughs) just because I've been hurt before. Um, (laughs) secondly, I will say that this, this particular franchise, I, I, I literally just bought um, Fallen Order tonight. Well, really? <laughs> I bought it on... I haven't played it yet. And knowing huh. that this sequel was coming, I bought it on the... Um, what is it? The uh, Days of Play PlayStation sales. Like 15 bucks. So I was like, okay. This, I, you know, I've wanted to play this game. Uh, the main character is a redhead. Both my kids are redheads. That's exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was like, I'm, I'm ready to give this a try. Um uh, you know, it, it it is it is such a state of video game announcements right now of we have so many cases of announcements being made of just like we've decided to make this game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like so, so many announcements are just like, yeah, we made the we made the choice. We're going to make this game. You'll see it someday. Um, the fact that they put a, a date on they put a year on this game. Obviously, obviously, there's 
there's a lot of stuff in motion here. So I don't know whether or not this game hits 2023 or not, but it, it's going to be close to that. Um, I'm a guy who likes hype. I'm a guy who likes to know about a thing early on and I can get excited and, and get that fever of being anticipated for this, for this game. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a thing where a lot of times we are promised a thing well in advance and it just never comes to fruition. Ironically, I feel like one of my favorite game announcements by way of hype was also from respawn and it was when they dropped apex legends and it was like we have a game and you can play yeah. it right this second yeah and it was like what 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 yeah. and like the buzz around that and how thrilling it was to be like what are you there's a new game it looks amazing i can play it right this second and it was the like like a, such a memorable moment and stuff like this i mean i get really i get excited about it in that moment like oh it's cool it's a, like a cg trailer it looks beautiful uh, I always want to see gameplay. I'm like, give me the gameplay. But I'm also not bothered by it in the sense where I'm like, oh, now I just go great. And then I just move on with my life. I don't yeah. mark the date on my calendar. I'm not that kind of person. I, I mean, I think y'all. of like the most exciting game reveal that I can remember in the last year was like Wolverine, right? Yeah. And it was like, here's Wolverine's hand. <laughs> Look forward to that at some point. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely on your page, Lana, in the sense that uh, you know I love the uh, Fallout Four. Hey, here's the game. It's going to be out in six months. Even it doesn't even have to be you know downloaded tonight. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's like the window being short is pretty exciting. And and honestly, trying to you know dissect my own feelings about this, I don't have a better path to <laughs> to generate excitement about these big big properties like this. I guess I just bristle at the fact that it is so predictable and so set in stone. Like mm-hmm. there's no variance. It, there's very few games that aren't, that don't adhere to this formula of, you know, you do this, then you do that, then you do that. Yeah. And, it, and it just feels like, okay, well we're in the phase where we see the, the, the CGI teaser, which doesn't really tell you anything about anything. So it's like, why do we even, I don't know. There's part of me that just goes, okay, I, I mean, I'm excited, and it was a cool moment at the at the Star Wars celebration to have this video game be front and center. But at the same time, you go, there's really no new information here between this game is happening and this game is still happening, but now you've got a CG trailer for there's it. There's kind of like a baked-in cynicism. Yeah. Of you're, just, yeah. you're just expecting nothing for a while. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, that's, we're conditioned that way. So there's a fool me once fool me every single time. (laughs) I guess, I mean, if I were one of those people that like, uh, took, uh, like vacation days off around like video games, I feel like I'd be more upset. But like if somebody on any day of the week was like, check out this cool YouTube video that's unrelated to anything, there's no release. I'd be like, cool YouTube video. (laughs) Yeah. Like right. that, I sort of treat it like that. Where I'm like, what a what a fun little thing that is. Well, you are a very healthy person, Lana. That's that's. I just don't. I don't have. To, I don't. I don't. I don't have time to not think this way. No, I can't great. dwell. Very, very, very smart of you. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of things that uh, I support and are smart, and I think are make the world better. Uh, I wanted to mention, it's not going to be my story of the week because there's not tons to talk about, but I wanted to mention the fact that Raven Software, 
has formed, uh, if not the first, one of the first video game unions. Uh, they voted, uh, and um, these 19 employees that make up the uh, QA department at Raven Software have voted to uh, become a union. Uh, they voted on May 23rd, and Activision Blizzard was uh, kind of discouraging it to be to be um, <laughs> mild Delicate. about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but evidently, this week, yeah, Microsoft has uh, reiterated they will support uh, the employees at Raven who voted to join the union. We don't know what that looks like, what that means exactly, but uh, it's nice to hear Microsoft at least say they will honor uh, that decision by the employees. Uh, Lana, I'm very curious what what you have to say about this as someone who is uh, working in the industry. I think that it is fantastic. Um, people feeling like they, they don't have their voices heard or feel like they are easily like being taken advantage of by their companies, being able to band together and, and find that strength and that united voice, I think is fantastic. Um, and especially like the recognition, I think it will embolden more people to seek that out and to band together to to have those have the have the unions and be a part of something bigger um than themselves and so yeah. i think that's i don't have like a ton to say on it i don't i don't know yeah that yeah, uh, part, of, part of the reason i didn't bring it up as my story of the week i think this is a great a great step for the industry i hope yes. it is the one of the first dominoes that will create a cascade of dominoes mm-hmm. um but we shall see how this all plays out and we will be uh looking at it with uh with much interest here on DLC because uh, it's something that I very much believe in. I believe in unions and I think they, they help the world and help employees uh, be treated like human beings. And uh, it's great to see these folks, uh, you know, really uh, step up and, and vote and do it. And, and hopefully Microsoft as they acquire uh, Activision Blizzard in the next year or so uh, are of their word and uh, mm-hmm. you know, help foster this and make it uh means something for these employees yeah and good on those those employees for taking yeah. the stand because like uh yeah, i imagine it takes incredible bravery because mm-hmm. you know sometimes uh things work out in a really positive way and sometimes corporations can be corporations and just sort of deny any sort of goodness that can come from these kind of things so Indeed. uh brave step big step congrats yeah. The story that I do want to bring up uh, for discussion uh, in depth is, uh, I guess it's a report, so it's not 100% certain. And this is discussing a a product that hasn't officially been announced at all yet. But we've talked uh, with some certainty about this notion of an Xbox streaming device. And evidently, um, Microsoft had been working on a streaming device codenamed Keystone, which uh, we could all imagine. We don't know exactly what it is or what it was at this point, uh, but we could all imagine it as being some sort of, um, you know, little hockey puck, uh, uh, like Google, uh, what are they? What's it called? <laughs> Chrome like Cast. Chromecast. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, Google Chromecast or uh, Roku or, you know, any a number of other of those uh, small, um, you know, plug in an HDMI and then plug it into your TV. Uh, devices that let you would would let you stream Xbox games or Xbox Game Pass games. Uh, but evidently this week a report surfaced that Microsoft is changing their focus 
on what this device is uh, to quote a new approach. So we don't know what it was and we don't know what that new approach is, but I still think this is a fascinating report because it seemed like a foregone conclusion. I know Chris Christian, who is a big proponent of the, uh, the streaming, the game streaming future uh, has been, has been crowing about this for a long time. We both took it as a foregone conclusion that there would be a, a day when you'd buy a TV and it would just have uh, Xbox app on it like you do today with Netflix and, and other streaming services. We don't even need the uh, the little hockey puck, um, but that this this half step would make it so you could plug it into anything and it would be super inexpensive, maybe, you know, 99 bucks or less. And then you'd up, be up and running with, with games. Now it seems like also their deal with the Samsung smart TVs that would be getting an Xbox streaming app, that is in question. Uh, we don't know if that is going to happen in the same 12-month period that they were uh, targeting this project project Keystone device. But I'm so curious, Adam, what you make of this. Do you, do you think this is really um, a, a complete change in Microsoft's approach to wanting to have Xbox games streamed easily like this or Xbox Game Pass games? Or, or do you think this is more... Um, minor sort of technology shift in how this the same idea is going to be given to consumers yeah boy it really seems like xbox within the last several years has kind of pivoted their focus from like xbox as a physical thing to game pass like game pass is the brand identity of xbox and to me the idea of of moving away from this dongle, this plug and play Xbox thing. Um, it kind of points to maybe they've got to be going towards more like just the direct download app Avenue. But as you say, um, it sounds like that's almost in question as well. It really seems like the trajectory of Xbox has been all game pass. It's game pass, game pass, game pass. Um, moving away from the necessity of having a box. I, I, as a player who has always had multiple consoles, I've always had a play, uh, Nintendo and Xbox and a PlayStation this generation. I, I don't have an Xbox, but I inherently see the value of game pass. I don't have a series. I don't plan on having a series, but I've kind of been looking forward to this, this just like downloaded on my TV Xbox. And so I'm really curious. I hope they're not leaning away from that because I think that's just kind of like a brilliant move. I think the identity of Xbox right now is in game pass. So I hope they're not moving away from that idea. I hope, I hope that this is just kind of like an, like a pause to see what the next evolution is because their, their, their messaging is we want you to play your games wherever and whenever. And to me, that just kind of seems synonymous as like download an app, right? Yeah. I'm so curious as to what this story means because it seems like you're absolutely right that the everything is pointing to them becoming the Netflix of, of video games. They're trying, they're working on it. The Xbox Game Pass is that in a lot of ways and it, it, it seems like they've been completely de-emphasizing the idea of playing xbox games on any specific piece of hardware just decouple it completely focus it so 
it's hard for me to believe that this report means that they are not doing that. And the official quote here is, um, we have made the decision to pivot away from the current iteration of the Keystone device. We will take our learnings and refocus our efforts on a new approach that will allow us to deliver Xbox cloud gaming to more players around the world in the future. Mm. So it does seem like, well, we're not abandoning this notion of cloud gaming and we're not abandoning the Keystone device, but we're changing it completely. And I just, maybe you can help me, Lana. I just have no notion of what a different version of that it is like what's there's just kind of basic functionality. Yeah, I've got how, a, how how do you ch- take those learnings and focus on a different device? I just I'm a so pitches. fascinated by this. I have Go ahead, a couple sorry. pitches. One <laughs> is they're you know they're they're shipping the Xbox satellite straight to space. It's now a channel on your TV. Mm. No download necessary. What's well, second channel? To it. What's up, the Sega just channel? Put it in my <laughs> neck. How about that? Just yeah, exactly. a microchip in my neck. Yeah, Matrix plugin is the second. Uh, or maybe they're like moving away from like doing Samsung smart TVs and they're like, we're just going to build our own dang TV. But I guess if you're going to buy an Xbox TV, maybe you would just buy an Xbox <laughs> and not have to get rid of your TV. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. My, my only thought is that maybe they have like vetted this technology and they're like, this is not good enough for what we want. And so we're going to put a pin in this for now because we predict in two, five years, like whatever the number is, things will be in a better place. And then we can reevaluate either partnerships or uh, the actual technology itself uh, for their purposes later. But I am kind of like shocked by it too, because like, like Adam and, uh, you both of you, it's like Jeff, this I'm seemed Jeff. like you know Adam and somebody else I know. Um, <laughs> I was gonna, well, it felt weird to be like like Adam and Jeff, and so you're like both their person, but I'm like kind of talking to both of you, but I'm kind of you know you know I don't need I'm this. Silly, it's okay. You got the one that mattered. Exactly. <laughs> I'm respecting the guest. Um and. I just, it seemed like a no-brainer. I felt like any day I was going to turn on my TV and like right next to like the default Paramount Plus app was going to be the Xbox right? Game Pass yeah. app. Yeah. I was like ready for it. Yeah. We've been we've been thinking about this and talking about this for a while now and, and Xbox has been hinting at it. But I, I do think you may have hit on the most plausible explanation. Although, you know, the, the explanation that you outlined of, of them just being like, well, hey, this just doesn't go make it to our standard and we're not going to p- bring this thing to market now. Mm-hmm. But the counter argument to that is there are people that are doing it already. Right. I mean, like the NVIDIA is doing it and, it, you, uh, you know, st- st- say what you will about Stadia. I mean, it was functional for the most part. You know, it's not that the <laughs> tech didn't work. It technically uh, it existed. Yeah. Uh, they had a brand and right. certain people were able like to it, you know, function. Streaming a game is possible. So I mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, that's what made me want to make this my story of the week is because of how surprising and uh, just sort of counter everything that we've assumed to be the Xbox strategy this seems to be. But maybe it's maybe it's overstating something that's a much mi- more minor change. Um, but uh, I, I'm very fascinated to see more reporting on this because – you know, I, I like you. I'm 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 kind of ready for that. Just that Xbox app to happen, um, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Maybe not. All right. 
Well, we got lots more to talk about uh, when it comes to the games that we have been playing. So let's get right to it. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Indeed. Do you have hiring goals? Are you hiring? Are you a hirer? Well, if you have ambitious hiring goals, do not sweat because you're not rate waiting. You're no longer waiting for the right candidates to find you. You're finding them first with Indeed, if you are hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description. And you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for the quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. That's according to Talent Nest. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash DLC. Go to Indeed.com slash DLC to claim your $75 credit. That's Indeed, I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash DLC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I was like, oh no, he's gone. No, oh, I'm no. here. I'm here. I just uh, need to get the sound thing and code for some reason. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. Adam. Let's start with you. What has been on your playlist? Well, Jeff, let me tell you. First of all, I'm old. Uh, <laughs> as a mega dad, <laughs> and as my listeners know, I'm very old. So I tend to like things that call back to uh, what I liked to play when I was younger. And this week on the playlist, I've been playing a game for the PlayStation 5 that calls back to mind the games that I used to play on the PlayStation 1. And this game is called Anno Mutationum. It is an indie game for the PS5. It is an action-adventure game with RPG elements that really just kind of wears its heart on its sleeve, and its inspirations are very much that PlayStation 1-era game. Um, it's kind of like... You remember when Shovel Knight came out? Uh, and it was like an ode to the 8-bit Nintendo era. 
Anomutationum is very much that game, but it's it's pay, it's paying homage to the PS1 era game. Uh, it, it has a very uh, simplistic, pixelated, simple 3D era vibe. It, it looks like a Mega Man Legends or even like a Xenogears kind of game. And the story and the tone of it is very much kind of 90s anime where it's it's very heady it's very nonsensical and kind of like over stylized the game takes place in a cyberpunk era world um and it just it it feels very much kind of like the kind of game that i used to play when i was like 18 and it's it's all about this this woman who is like a, a, a cyberpunk era bounty hunter and she's looking for her brother and the story elements are very like it's got a lot of uh religious overtones and super anime-esque like way over your head um kind of like ethereal uh vibes and it it's just very nonsensical and very over your head but the the tone of it is so in tune to what i would have played when i was a teenager that i'm just absolutely loving it this thing was featured in state of play um a couple of months back and it's it it, it just feels very nostalgic to me and i'm have you heard of this game at all yeah, I, I noted it when it uh, when it was uh, featured in the state of play, mm-hmm. um, but I, I have not played it. It's also available on Steam. Yes. I'm looking at it. It's uh, 25 bucks on Steam. Um, definitely, you know, you say uh, throwback to PS1, and I, in my head, I think, oh, it's going to look like garbage. <laughs> it's going to look like garbage. <laughs> but it doesn't. It actually has a really great... Um, art direction it's it's really kind of at least looking at the videos that i'm seeing here it is a wild blend of very nice neon soaked cyberpunk world but like the characters are very stripped down low poly Mm -hmm. and it just it it feels like if if you took the idea of those games like a, a like a xeno gears or a Mega Man legends but you put it on today's platforms mm-hmm. and the, the combat is very fun, but it's, it's simple. It's stripped down and it just, you know, I love, I love video games that make me feel young. And this is kind of a game that has today's sensibilities. You know, it has skill trees and it has really nice high dynamic colors and, and, and high direction, but it also feels really old but in a way that's kind of charming to me, uh, it, it it feels very much like a game that is kind of tailor made for forty year old men <laughs> who want to feel young again. Uh, but I I played this game and all the way start to finish, and I just found it so incredibly flawed but charming at the same time. Hmm. Uh, we're just doing a little bit of reading about it. Well, first of all, I looked at the video. It looks like they're doing some interesting thing with like the camera angles while the characters sort of leaping around and like mm-hmm. it sort of changes from like following the character, the side scrolling. Does the camera actually like do that those big tilts while you're playing or is that just fancy it, editing for the trailer? You know, it's kind of like a 2.5D. Yeah. Um, mostly you're playing on a on a 2D plane going from left to right. 
Um, but it's, but the, the environmental design is three dimensional. So there are things coming, um, in and out of focus from the front to the back. Uh, but it's, it's very simplified in that 2.5 D sense and like a game like pandemonium or Klonoa for, you know, old folks like me who remember what those games are. Um, it's, it's very much a game that's made for those folks who remember what those games are, but kind of with today's tweaks and modern sensibilities. Uh, uh, the other thing that's pretty interesting that I'm reading about it is it's part of the China Hero Project, which is Sony's uh, in- initiative to help indie developers uh, in and around China to make games. And they also, I think, published, I don't know the actual relationship, uh, Forged in Shadow Torch, which the way you're describing mm. this game feels like the same thing where it's it's fun and it, it's interesting and it's mostly side-scroller with some depth and also got some problems, but pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing these games as a teenager and like, listening to the story and engaging with the characters and being like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And this game kind of like, (laughs) it kind of embraces that. Like there is the the plot itself is so much bigger than the game can contain. And that sounds like a flaw, but for the games of that era, that absolutely fits and so it kind of feels like a game that ran out of budget in regards to the scope of it but that's also absolutely what those games were back in the late 90s and so there's a charm in that that i found very endearing Mm. Mm -hmm. very cool cool. anno mutation m right yes anno mutation m uh I'm, i'm really cool really cool what else is on your playlist the other game that I keep coming back to, and I've heard you and Christian talk about this, um, and you were not quite a fan, is Gran Turismo 7. Is Well, you're getting ready. To, you you want to get up on the plot for when the yeah. movie comes out. Right, right. I need the backstory. <laughs> um, this is a game that keeps pulling me back, in, and it's almost tied to the last game that I talked about, where this game feels very... Um, anchored to the history of PlayStation and to the history of this franchise and where it looks modern. Um, it feels modern, but also like it's very stripped back and it kind of feels like a classic game. Uh, I am somebody who loves uh, Forza Horizon as a racing series, which I've heard you talk about as well. And that is a game that rewards you and it's moment to moment fulfillment. But Gran Turismo is a game that, you know, it, it, it very much requires you to approach it almost like a chess match where every turn matters, every lap matters where in a game like forza horizon they're constantly throwing points at you hey you crashed that was amazing you you spun around and you wiped out and everybody lapped you that's fantastic here's 500 points gran turismo kind of takes it the complete opposite approach where it's like no you have to you have to buckle in and focus on every turn like it's a strategic approach to racing and I find that I find it so refreshing and I keep coming back to this game week after week and approaching new race after new race. And I'm not a I'm not a gearhead, 
but like I love I love the respect that they play that they pay towards racing and the legacy of cars and motorsport that um I'm honestly surprised at how much this game appeals to me because I'm traditionally more of an arcade kind of guy uh mm-hmm. and Gran Turismo is very much not that it's very yeah. much not that but uh it keeps pulling me back and week after week I keep getting into more races and I just find this game so engaging on a different level well, are, were you into the Gran Turismo franchise previously, or has 7 kind of brought you in in a way you hadn't been before? The last Gran Turismo I played was Gran Turismo 2 for the oh, PlayStation wow. 1. Wow. So it was a long time coming. And uh, like I said, you know, I'm more akin to be like a split second or a burnout kind of yeah, yeah. jump in and jump out in wild bombastic moments. But there's something about this iteration of Gran Turismo. It's it's more accessible to a guy like me who is is not as into the simulation style. There, you can really tweak um, the difficulty and the assists in this game so that you mm-hmm. feel like you're really learning something with each race. Uh, I feel like it has some of the best dual sense integration that I've ever played in a PlayStation game, the way that you really feel those adaptive triggers on the gas and on the brakes. Um, if you're racing in the rain and you're hydroplaning, like you can feel it in the controller. There's just something very engaging to me that I wasn't quite expecting. I was very much on the fence as if I would even get this game. Um, but I just I just find it very compelling, and I'm really enjoying my time with it. That's really cool. I I'm definitely that arcade racer guy too, and I, I sort of had that experience with a Forza Horizon, which you know isn't a full uh, sim racer by any stretch, uh, but it felt like it was that great half step for me to kind of get into the competitive racing, the the more technical aspects of racing, while still being able to you know jump off a active volcano and do (laughs) stuff that brings me to they're very very different absolutely yeah but you know i I also have gran turismo 7 and uh that felt a bit like a bridge too far for me you know i i Mm -hmm. I, I did not have the experience you had right it just felt too austere too uh too uh yeah too technical i mean i i love hearing you talk about it and i kind of wish i had that experience but i i found it to be a little bit too um straight laced and you know precise, I need a little more yeah yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, volcano in there. Yeah. maybe you had the like uh exact opposite mode on where rather than rewarding you for every little thing it's like wow you pressed the brake 0.25 seconds too slowly and we're really disappointed with you you actually <laughs> you actually <laughs> owe us points if With, if, hey, if that if that if that was a real mode in the game, actually that would probably work better for me. That's just that's just a little window into my temperament. You're you're a bad person. Oh, please tell me more. <laughs> if no, if Fort if Forza Horizon is like pop rock, Gran Turismo is like jazz. You know, it, yeah, it, it yeah, requires sure. yeah. you to slow down pay a little bit more attention and like i i prefer the arcade racer absolutely like i think forza horizon is a is a better game it absolutely is a better game but surprising to me this this game this gran turismo really 
unlocked something in me where I was able to approach it with just like a little bit more patience and appreciate what it was trying to do. And like, I can enjoy both. And I'm, I'm really uh, appreciative of the fact that I can enjoy both on completely different yeah, levels. You're, yeah. You're, you're better than me, Adam. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, that is Gran Turismo seven uh, available on PlayStation platforms. Lana. Yeah. What, about you? what is on your playlist? Um, I've been playing a couple of things. I actually been playing not uh, that many video games, um, but you know, Christian's not here. And so uh, somebody's got to bring it up. I've been playing Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I don't know, Jeff, you have to remind me, have I talked about playing Fortnite at all on this show before? I don't think you have. Uh, so, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't think I have either because it's kind of novel to me that I'm playing it because I've <laughs> never played it before. Um, really? Wow. Really? I, you know, my what, was the, what was the tipping point? Well, the tipping point was I played a ton of Years of the Storm. I played Years of the Storm like four or five nights a week with a pal of mine and, um, you know, left the Here's team, you know, insert feelings here um it's like it's like say it felt like too sad to play it but but i was still playing it a bunch but then my friend got a girlfriend and she was not into mobas they're even here's a storm pretty obtuse tough to get into and her sort of game that she played like regularly with her friends is Fortnite, and we're not going to be like well sorry we want to play hero storm and so we were like you know about the inclusivity we're like yeah i'll download Fortnite. i've never played it before so you'll have to walk me through but let's do it and the first time I played was, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I was shook up because I was like, wait, <laughs> this is this is it? Like, this is the game that people have been like pooping their pants about for a decade or whatever? I don't know how long it's been about, but I was like, we were playing this game and I was like, yo, where's my sprint button like i'm just jogging <laughs> around this world slowly i'm like where are these guns it was like all third person i was ready for like hyper accurate super competitive and i was like it's so silly everybody's like dancing on me and like i'm very competitive as a as a person and as a gamer and i was i mean i, I was just shocked that that was the game and so mm -hmm. we were playing and i remember saying out loud you know if this game had like a sprint and maybe like a ledge grab, it would be pretty good. <laughs> and my friends were like, yo, you're, this game that's been like hailed as like one of the most successful games in existence. You're right. If they just had a sprint and a ledge grab, then it would be okay. You're right, Lana. But let me tell you this. You probably already know, but in a recent patch or whatever, they took out building, which is fine. Twitch your yeah. own. But they also added a friggin' sprint and a ledge grab. And you know what? The game's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> they got your letters. They got your letters. Yeah. I wrote them some really <clears throat> forward emails. No. <laughs> Strongly worded. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really fun. I, I found myself playing it like way more than I ever thought I would. Like, you know, it's it's 630 and I'm like, okay, we, should, uh, we do the show at 715. We got time for a hot drop, hot drop. Let's go. And <laughs> I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, uh, Are you like and, buying skins and doing the whole thing? I mean, I bought the League of Legends skin because <laughs> 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 uh, they had a partnership. So I play as Vi uh, with Jace's hammer and, you know, Jinx's little bunny from Arcane. Amazing. And um, yeah, I just I'm really surprised at how much I enjoy it. 
uh, and how much I can't stop playing it. Good job. It's incredible. <laughs> and I, I, I don't think that we appreciate, or at least maybe I don't appreciate what it may, must have taken for them to look at that game and go, let's take the building mode out of it. Because, or at least give the people the option to play without a building mode. Because it was so fundamental to the identity of that game from the very beginning. I mean, that game was announced, had nothing to do with being a... Battle uh, Royale. Yes, a Battle Royale. It was just this building mode horde shooter thing. Yeah. You know, it was so fundamental to what it is. And the fact that they at Epic, they continually refine, strip away, change, add. Like, that. Mm -hmm. it's... I think it's a really impressive level of, you know, killing your darlings. Oh my yeah. gosh. Every week there's new guns. There's the shop changes what feels like every day. Like yeah. I am very impressed by it on, on so many fronts. Um, uh, probably the, the greatest of which is how much they are constantly creating, how much they're constantly pivoting. Like there is some weird, like, I don't care about the plot of Fortnite, but there is some kind of palpable plot that even right. not caring about it. I was like, oh yeah, there was all those blimps and now there's no more blimps. You know, right. I'm like aware of these things happening around me in the world. And it's just, it's very clear that they're opening avenues for people to get down with Fortnite in any way they want from the concerts to like, you know, they had Brandon Sanderson freaking Miss Cloak as a skin. Yeah. And like any wow. level that you are excited about being in this game, you can be in this game mm -hmm. and you can be competitive or not. They added like, or I don't know if they added it, but they have that crown thing where if you like get that, that old chicky dinny, you get the crown. And if you win again, you like get like this number of how many crowned wins you get. And that competitive part of me is like, Oh, I'm glowing. I got that crown, baby. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's like it, it feels it fuels me in a way I was never, never expecting, especially so many years after release. So well, uh, it's it's, really it's impressive because it, it really shows you that that they embrace that notion of like stagnation is death, you know, that they gotta mm -hmm. continually be uh looking at it with a critical eye and and uh you know, it doesn't seem to have any signs of slowing down. So yeah, that's GG. Fortnite. Impressive. That that's Fortnite. That's Fortnite. You may <laughs> Little... <heard> of it. <laughs> um, uh, and then I won't spend too much time on this. I've also been playing Valorant just for, you know, a little bit more of that uh, competitive shooter stuff. But just uh, mm -hmm. sort of 5v5s with my team at work is really fun. Um, What's the uh, Valorant scene like? Is it still vibrant and rocking? And I mean, I know you work. I've Riot, never really but... been part of the Valorant scene. So uh, there's a group of people that I played with who are very competitive, who like I literally had nightmares about because they'd be teaching me strategy. And if I didn't do it, one of them leaned to the microphone and went, never do that again. <laughs> and it like scarred me personally forever. Um, but as far as the scene, I almost always just play like in houses with with friends. So mm. uh I don't I don't know about the greater scene. I you know, I got friends who are part of it. They love it. They're always talking about it. So it must be bumping, but yeah. uh yeah, it's fun to play with people cuz it's like I find Valorant sounds very scary when people talk about it. There's so much jargon like, "Oh, we're going to A site." You know, plant plant and like trying to like yeah. mess with people about whatever, checking corners. But it's really like all mind games. It's like, are you going to go to the A side or the B side and put the bomb down is sort of like <laughs> the essence of it. But there's so much of like, okay, we're all going this way, but somebody pretend they're not, but really do it. And it's just like this weird playing with your friends. It feels like the best way to try and one of the best ways to sort of engage with that for me. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Valorant. Valorant. I've heard <laughs> and, of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's Valorant. <laughs> um <laughs> 
Uh, and then the last thing I also won't spend too much time talking about, because I know y'all have talked about it a bunch, is Metroid Dread. I did uh, play it sort of, that was my on the way to GDC game, little brain detox during the week. Uh, Do you love it, it as much as everybody else seems to? I did and I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, I'd never played a Metroid game before. Um, one of those in my repertoire of blindness from my youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed sort of just getting in into the Metroid world. I liked running around the world and stuff like like that. And I didn't find it like particularly challenging. There's one boss that made me want to throw my switch across the airplane. Um, the little buggy, the little buggy boy. Mm. Um, I don't know if anybody else has played it, but that's, that's, oh, that's the only one that made me sort of lose my mind. But everything else was like, uh, just sort of like an interesting skill challenge. And definitely I like Metroidvania in general as like, uh, go find this thing. Oh, now that means you unlocked this part. And, Mm. um, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I was like head over heels for it. Like so many people were, but I really, I would say I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. At at Megadads, we refuse to um, acknowledge these games as Metroidvanias. We call them Castleroids. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> see, it's clever. Um, <laughs> I haven't played this game, but it is absolutely my my one like Switch regret. Where everybody talks about this game, and I have not played it yet. I also haven't. I, I purchased it and played it for like an hour and was like, this is not for me. Um, <laughs> what, what, so what made it not for you and what made it not quite enticing enough to pick up yet? I, I did not enjoy the uh, I didn't enjoy the fundamental controls of it. Oh, I, my I hand agree. cramped like in, in, in seconds playing that game. And uh, I also did not enjoy the stress of the, you know, the what are they called? The dreads. The Emmys. Yeah, exactly. Not a fan. Yeah. Didn't enjoy that process. And then so many people were like, hey, it's easy. There's ways to do it. There's like, stop stressing. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't have any patience for this game. There's certain games that just turn me off so intensely at the beginning that I have a hard time, uh, you know, giving them a second chance. And that's, that's a character flaw of mine, but there's just so many other games out there. I'm like, why do I have to force myself to like this? Yeah. If, if there's another game that's gonna that I that I'm not playing because of it, you know, I am glad that you brought it up, and uh, that is the that is the one thing that I would say gen, genuinely bothered me was how sort of dense the controls felt. It was like, yeah. in order to do like one thing to fire a missile, I'm like like three or four buttons at a time and having to remember which combination of which buttons would do the correct action that I'm trying to do. And it's not like they're complex. It's like stand still and shoot a rocket. Or and like use your aiming or run and then aim and shoot your rocket or like use the other laser. But there's something about it that like didn't stick to my brain very well. And I think uh, the the functionality of the jump very much bothered me mm-hmm. where I think it's an another artifact of not having played lots of console games growing up. Even the idea, like the concept of like holding a, the jump to like jump further or longer I'm so used to just pressing a button and that's like your jump. And mm. so there was times I was like, I can't make this jump. This is garbage. And I'd be so mad. I'd be like, oh, right. Just hold the button. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's I, a I me honestly, thing. I acknowledge it's a me thing. And that's okay, right? It doesn't, everything doesn't have to be for everybody. Mm. Um, I, I do think, though, that if the Switch was shaped like the Steam Deck, I may have played a lot more Metroid Dread. 
because huh. I, I just I just find the steam the the switch to be um, not super comfortable in my hand. Mm-hmm. And when a game is demanding like that and asks for these very complicated button combinations, I, I just my big old dumb hands start feeling <laughs> uncomfortable. And I but I just haven't had that experience with the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck is is bigger. The buttons are a little farther spaced apart, and it just feels much more comfortable in my hand. So. I Once you get to a certain more. age, arthritis becomes a serious. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Also, I can't find my glasses, and if the right? video game could compensate for that in some way, uh, uh... Uh, uh, on my <laughs> playlist uh, is a is a new game uh, that was recommended to me uh, because I love uh, the Vampire Survivor so much. Uh, people who listen to this program know that I love the Vampire Survivor and have been hooked on that was hooked on that basically up until the day that rogue legacy 2 came out of early access and then i was like no more vampire survivor it's rogue legacy 2 uh but uh, somebody pointed me to the fact that vampire survivor has become a, a subgenre because there is now a vampire survivor like uh, that has hit steam in early access again this game is in early access and it just came out it is called spirit hunters infinite horde and one of the best things about being a vampire survivor like is that evidently part of being like that game is having a very comparable price point because <laughs> i guess you can't come out and be a, a clone of a game that is three dollars and charge a lot more than three dollars so uh that's pretty darn cool i think a uh, spirit hunters infinite horde five dollars on steam so, yeah, I jumped in. I said, I'll, I'll pay five bucks to see if this game compares favorably to one of my favorite games uh, that I've played in recent memory. And I will tell you, um, with the huge caveat that it is in early access and likely to change a lot in the next however long, I don't think it compares super favorably to Vampire Survivor. But Vampire Survivor, a much more mature game, uh, had gone through many, many iterations, has a lot more content already in it. Uh, And content is uh, a big part of the experience of those games because unlocking new things is really cool and part of the fun. But uh, like Vampire Survivor, Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde uh, is a game where you are moving around a vast uh, 2D environment and all of your weapons are auto-firing. They proc uh, based on uh, a rhythm, based on a timing, um, and they, they happen independently of anything you do. So you're just moving and you're just kind of weaving around this environment where there are hordes right there in the title, infinite horde. Uh, There are dozens and dozens and dozens of bad guys coming at you from all sides and you're weaving in and out of them, uh, destroying them with the weapons that are automatically procking and then collecting the little gems that they leave behind that give you experience points and level up. Every time you level up, you get to, uh, get new powers. You get new. Uh, you get to either improve the weapons that you already have, the the abilities you already have, or add new ones. And some key differences for Spirit Hunters uh, are that uh, with uh, with Vampire Survivor, when you would get an, a new weapon, uh, you would basically have a single upgrade path to that weapon. You would get to the level two, level three, level four of that weapon, and always the same changes to the weapon would happen. Level two, maybe would it be, you know, more damage. Level three, maybe would be, uh, it would proc faster. 
level four, maybe it, a variety of things would, would change, but it would always be a linear path. With this game, you're actually often given multiple upgrades to the same weapon uh, as, as an option when you level up. So maybe you can specifically decide to level up its uh, frequency of, of, you know, of proccing or you can level up its area of effect or level up its damage specifically. So you can choose those things. I think that's pretty cool. Um, but unfortunately right now in its early access state, I have to say the weapons are few and they are not particularly awesome feeling. I think, uh, I will say visually, this is a much more impressive looking game than vampire survivor, vampire survivor created by a single human being, I believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, has a pixel art that I, I find serviceable and, and charming, but, uh, isn't, uh, you know, isn't visually dazzling. Well, Spirit Hunters has a much more cartoonish, um, more, uh, animated kind of look to it. Although there isn't a lot of actual animation. Um, but the, the, the sprites are big and, and colorful and it actually almost looks like paper cutouts that are kind of floating along the the surface of this 2d plane which i think is has plus and minuses because it it does look a lot prettier but the but the anime I mean, the lack of animation and the the way things kind of just float through the environment make it all feel a little disconnected and insubstantial in a way uh i think the the hit boxes are often not clear um, you'll have uh, weapons that are like circling around you and you're trying to run up next to something to to tap that bad guy with your your weapon and you're not really sure how close you have to get to hit them. So everything's a little imprecise, which is, I guess, what you give up to have it look a lot prettier. Mm. But it's unfortunate that that's the case. And then the other big... Uh, oh, the, there's another huge nit that I have, which is that the things that the bad guys drop experience uh, nodes and and health and and money and, and whatever it is that they drop goes away after a period of time it's got that super mario brothers thing where the you know the thing will be on the screen and then it'll start blinking and then just disappear and part of the joy of vampire survivor is that stuff never goes away and that you'll you'll be you'll run in one direction for so long destroying all these things behind you and just trying to survive and then eventually you'll loop back around and go back to that place you were and you find this incredible treasure trove of 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 stuff waiting for you loot just sitting there all these dozens and dozens of experience uh, diamonds laying there waiting for you to gobble them up because you had killed a whole bunch of stuff on the way. And now you finally get back there and it's so satisfying to go, Oh, look at all this stuff that I did that I hadn't been able to collect before. And to have that subtle little change where stuff just disappears was a massive hit to the joy button. That is these kinds of games. So that's a major uh, minus in my opinion for the game. The other thing is that, it has a uh, a huge skill tree, almost like if anybody's played Path of Exile, where you like open the skill tree in Path of Exile and you're just like, ah, my brain stopped working. It is too much to comprehend. <laughs> yeah. have, you guys play, have you guys played Path of Exile at all? I have not. Nope. Oh, I have that gosh. experience in my daily life. <laughs> <laughs> the Path of Exile uh, skill tree is a sprawling... Oh my God. Sorry, I just looked it up. You just Googled it? Yeah. 
It's a sprawling jumble, just this like massive, almost constellation of uh, you just you just can't comprehend it all. But at least in Path of Exile, you sort of have an understanding of maybe things you're trying to get to, and you're like, okay, I want to get to that class, uh, subclass, uh, specialization. So I'm gonna you know try to pursue this direction of this of the skill tree. But unfortunately, with with uh, Vampire Survivor. Almost all of the little nodes that are still that vast and and uh, overwhelming, there's they're a mystery until you unlock the node right next to them. Yeah. So you don't even know what you're going toward, and so it, it, it's like, well, I, I guess I'll put some points over here on this thing that I know about, and hope that something Can you cool easily opens re, like re, like change your points or. Is there anything that sort of counteracts that? Where you're like, oh, I built this wick. Mm, that's not where I wanted. Reset. That's I mean, a very it's good annoying, question. but I don't know if there's respecking. I, I honestly don't know. I suspect there is, but I, I should have checked that before I, I spouted off about it. But uh, I don't know. But the the resources that you get to actually unlock the nodes are fairly precious and rare. I mean, it's not like you're. You're op- unlocking, you know, 30, 40 nodes at a, at a go. You're, you know, you're whittling away. And that's the sort of roguelite aspect of it is that every time you do a run, you're going to unlock some new stuff and unlock cool things. But so much of the game's progression is in that skill tree. And just to not know what cool stuff is waiting for me that I could maybe get to is is kind of a bummer. Yeah, so, it's a, it sort of takes away that carrot from the stick. Yes, of like you just have stick. Forward. Yeah, I'm just left with stick. Uh, but again, I will say one more time, early access. So maybe all this stuff will change or or be, you know, uh, worked out or, or mitigated in some way. Um, but this is my early um, feelings about it. Again, five bucks. So if if, like me, you've sort of played Vampire Survivor, uh, you know, to a point where, like, I feel like I've played that game a lot. Uh, it's constantly getting updated. So there's always new stuff with Vampire Survivor. But if you're like, I still love Vampire Survivor, but I kind of feel like I've I've seen everything. Um, maybe give it a try because it's Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. Uh, it, it is definitely scratching that same itch and is much prettier. So there are good things about it. And I think it has some cool ideas. Oh, the other cool idea that it has is, um, you know, in Vampire Survivor, it, uh, you can come across these chests or like the big bosses will drop a chest and then you run up to it and you unlock it and it has cooler stuff in there. Well, in uh, Spirit Hunters, it still does that fundamentally the same, except that in order to unlock the chest, you have to stand next to it as a uh, a sort of uh, countdown timer uh, graphic play. So it'll be like this, this circle starts to animate around the edge of the of the chest as you stand next to it. So it forces you to stay in proximity of the chest for a long period of time in order to unlock it, which adds tons of tension because there's all these bad guys coming at you from every direction. So standing in one place is never a good idea with these games. So that push and pull of like, oh, I really want the chest, but I got to stand here for a limited time instead of what happens in Vampire Survivor, which is just like, I got to get to it. And if I can just get to it, I'm good. Uh, I thought that was a kind of a cool innovation there. Anyway. I've talked a really long time about a $5 game, but an interesting game. Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. We also got 
a listener uh, giving us a game review that I wanted to read. This was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Neil Oliver. Neil writes, I just wanted to share an indie game review for a game that might have been overlooked with so many incredible, some might say too many, games. It's been released lately, and the game I'm referring to is none other than A Memoir Blue. What's this, you ask? None other than one of those incredible art experiences akin to Abzu, Journey, or Gris, and published by Annapurna, so you know you're in for an experimental yet well-developed piece of art that deserves another look. A Memoir Blue is best experienced rather than described, but to be brief, it's a game that explores universal themes through evocative and interactive snippets of one's life. The game abstracts many of these core themes, which makes them develop naturally rather than seem overly forced. Yet it does not lose sight of its powerful messages along the way. The story chronicles the life of a woman through this visual memoir style, so it's relevant to people of all ages, though is most likely impactful to those in their 30s to 50s. Lastly, the game achieves all of this in a runtime of two to three hours, and also it's on Xbox Game Pass, so why not give it a try? Thanks for all the great content. Appreciate your great attitudes and love of gaming. Keep it up. Thanks, Neil. Uh, I have not played a memoir, Blue. Have either of you guys uh, heard of it? I've heard of it, but I have not played it. All he had to say was a game aimed at people approaching their 50s, and I'm all over it. (laughs) There you go. Like it's, It's catnip for you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy these, uh, short two, three hour sort of, uh, game experiences. So, um, and uh, game pass, I already have it. I already own it. So, um, maybe I'll check out a memoir blue. Thank you, Neil, for sending your review. Again, you can send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. Um, gosh. All right. I want to, I want to do a couple of things. I know we're already sort of, uh, running long, but, uh, I, I want to just, uh, because you guys are here, I love talking to you. I want to talk uh, a little VR and a little tabletop. Adam, you have played some Moss Book 2. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know you guys at Mega Dads uh, were, were pretty high on this game. I have also been loving it. Tell me uh, your, your feelings about Moss Book 2. I, you know, the original Moss I thought was very ambitious, very enjoyable, very unique. Uh, but Moss Book Two grabbed me in a way that I was not expecting. I reviewed this game with my son. One of the things that I've been doing lately um, is my my recent reviews on Mega Dads have been with my my seven year old son. And uh, I found that the best way to enjoy games is to enjoy them with the people that I love the most. And so my son and I kind of took play took uh, turns passing the head the headset back and forth between each other, uh, and we played through the entirety of Moss Book Two, and it was such an amazing experience. Uh, I thought it was head and shoulders above the original game um, in terms of storytelling i thought that the fact that they you know they didn't have the the whole setup you know they didn't have to deal with the whole setup and and presentation involved they were in the thick of the story they mm-hmm. were able to do so much more with the story in this game i found it 
very dramatic, very touching. Uh, the connection between the player and the mouse character Quill was much more established and much more defined. I thought that, uh, you know, the, 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 the player is really the character of the reader who is kind of an observer in the world of Moss for people who haven't played this game. Um, you are overlooking the events of this medieval world inhabited by little uh, woodland creatures and sprite characters. And with Moss book two, you are already in the midst of a grand adventure and I thought that the storytelling was much more nuanced and much more involved in Moss Book 2. Uh, the level design was much greater, much grander, and more diverse. I was really blown away by... I felt like Polyarch really stepped up their game with this sequel. Uh, and they've yeah. established a franchise that clearly is looking towards a trilogy, if not beyond. Uh, my son and I had a really great time playing this this game together. Uh, like I said, we reviewed it together um, on Mega Dads, which is which is fun in and of itself to experience games together uh, collaboratively with people that you live with that you can talk about and banter together. Um, it really was a delightful experience. I assume you've played this, Jeff. I have. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said, other than the fact that I played it solo. Uh, but uh it's um it's it's stunning i hope it gets a bigger audience when psvr2 comes out and and it's evidently coming to steam for for pc vr headsets and i hope it comes to uh oculus quest as well i i just more people need to play this game it's spectacular more proof that third person games work really well in vr i i keep saying that over and over and over again it it works it's like you don't have to, every vr game doesn't have to be a first person you know immersive experience like that it's it's super immersive just to be inside that world and my goodness is this game gorgeous uh yeah. it just feels wonderful to be inside that storybook world i it does feel like a level up from the first game and in, in the stuff you get to do and the new abilities that you get and it's it's very special moss book two I feel like the first game really had like the sense of you were looking down on a diorama. Yeah. But Moss Book 2 really encourages you as the player to look into the world. There are a lot mm -hmm. more secrets behind corners. So you're you're peeking in and you're leaning down towards every little detail and finding so many fantastic details in this world. I just yeah. thought it was breathtaking. Yeah, Lana, you would, uh, I know you're not uh, super into VR, but uh, the first Moss and book two, I think you would love it just on a pure animation level. Oh, I was waiting. Richard Lico, uh, the, well, certainly the lead, I don't know if he's animation director or lead animator, but I've seen him speak about his work on Moss and he, he has a, a great uh, Twitter presence as well. Out of this world, talented animator, the work that he does. Is Moss the the name of the no? What's the name of the little Quill? The, is the name Quill? Of the oh yeah. my god, the work on Quill is. I like. We'll just think about that during my day <laughs> on <laughs> random occasions. It's so so good. Yeah, I mean, you really feel like you're interacting with this living, breathing little, adorable creature, and the and the the number of ways they find for her to react to you and acknowledge you in that in that world it's just so awesome i mean there's like she's she's constantly like asked for high fives and it's just it's awesome 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Rick Lico's Twitter is Fufinu, F-O-O-F-I-N-U, if anybody uh, is really interested in seeing more about the sort of the behind the scenes. Uh, really, really excellent work. Awesome. That's Moss Book 2. Uh, and that is on PlayStation VR exclusively at the moment, although coming to more headsets as well. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little tabletop time. Right now, right now. I am so jealous looking at the list of board games that you have played, Lana, and uh, we won't have time for all of them, but now that you're coming on more frequently on the Wednesday, we'll, we're going to get to mm-hmm. a lot of these. So maybe pick one or two that you want to uh, highlight today and we can we can get into more of these. Uh, I'm so, uh, so excited to talk about so many of them, but what what are you most excited to talk about? Uh, yeah, I would kind of flew through my playlist up there because i was like well i got so many of these i, I yeah uh board gaming has definitely been more of more of my life recently probably the one i'm most excited to talk about is called veiled fate mm. uh it was a kickstarter game so i started a, a, a going to play board games with a couple pals from work and man we play we'll like play one and be like great that was i think we got the gist of it next game and we'll just like pull the next one out. So we've been powering through them and veiled fate um, was a, a, a Kickstarter game where you play as a God um, and you're controlling one of, I think nine demigods on the board. So the objective is to have the most, um, I forget the word, like a, a claim or the most like, like, like good pr- like prowess there's an actual mm-hmm. sort of mechanic word for it we'll call it a, a claim that's not the thematically correct thing but you have the most you know victory points to to win the game in the end and the renown i think is renown it is called renown yeah thank you so you have to have the most renown at the end of, of the game and the art is so beautiful this giant sort of circular board that you put together in these different wedges and you get these nine gods and the way that you get renown is there's sort of cards that almost have um they're like dance cards in a way where there's like circles and depending on how people place their tokens and how the game sort of shakes out different steps will be taken so some of them actually have like a circle with an arrow and then uh, another circle that points an arrow in a different direction and the steps will have to be followed in that order. But bo- all these cards that you're placing these demigods in the circles have like a, uh, a, a like a, a smite side and a feather side. So the feather mm-hmm. is gaining renown and the other side is losing renown and you can actually sm- smote the little demigods and send them into um where does Hades live? Hell? Send them, send them to hell. <laughs> um, there's a word for like you can send them like not sticks. Like is it just hell? Whatever. It's like sort of Greekish. Mm. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. There's like a name for this place. It's, my brain is escaping me. Um, but the the interesting part about like all these different sort of pieces is that anybody can move any of the pieces and it is a bit of social deception because you're trying to get your demigod, your color. So there's like nine different colors to have the most renowned by the end, but without telling people which one you are and you can move any of them every turn. And so that's cool. I've never heard of a mechanic like that. That's really neat. 
So you have a card and let's say there's three circles and on the first circle, you know, the light side is gain to renown and on the dark side is get, get smote. And the second circle <laughs> on the, on the light side is lose one renown. And on the dark side is gain two renown. And on the, the bottom one, the light side does nothing and the dark side gives you a renown. And so you'll put these demigods on there and then you privately vote to see which side fate will fall on. Oh, wild. And so, so you don't, people don't know which side you're voting for. People don't know which side you're voting for. Ah. They don't even know if any of the demigods that are on the card or even any of the people playing. It, there's all wow. like you're constantly moving all the pieces and trying to throw off how many times you're actually using yours to do different things. And there's so many little mechanics and we only played it the one time. So I, I will like sort of fumble my way through it. But the social deception element it was like very like stressful to play yeah. where like you're looking at your character and you're like, Oh, the, the, uh, you know, the pink piece, let's see. What is, is the pink piece? Can this one go here? Yeah. You know what? I think it can, but like, of course you know it is because it's your piece and you can just <laughs> do it. But everybody's like way over talking every single thing they're doing, trying to get through the game. It was very interesting and weird. Um, but gorgeous and, and very fun. I'm very eagerly looking forward to playing it again. It's called Veiled Fate. That sounds really awesome. I love this, this notion of like, uh, I, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do the thing that is most advantageous to me because that reveals too much about who I might be. Yeah. So I got to sort of like do, you know, ah, that's really cool. Yeah. And the, the game is sort of played in, in three eras based upon like this card in the middle. And if certain, if certain things are executed, then that era ends and so no matter what, it's like three rounds long, period. And I think all of us, by the end of like the second round, like all of the tokens that were not our colors were like at like five renown. And we were all like back at zero. We're like, oh, we got to maybe like be a little bit more aggressive with ourselves here. Everybody's playing a little too coy. Nobody's getting anywhere. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I wish I played like a couple times in a row. So if you if you're just getting it, like... It takes a, a while to learn all the different rules and definitely try and set up enough time to play at least twice because it will really take one game to sort of see how fast it can go and sort of test how aggressive or passive you want to play or can play. Um, and then another one when everybody kind of has the the hang of it, I think would be like an ideal first play sesh. It looks like it uh, it was a Kickstarter, but now is available to just purchase outright from their studio, which is cool. uh, IV Studio. So you can buy it outright, which I may do. <laughs> this looks really <laughs> cool. And you're right. The components are really gorgeous looking. And, and there's, there's all these, <clears throat> the minis look really, really high quality too. Yeah, well, there's several like tiers that you can buy. So like the Kickstarter, of course, it was like backer rewards. Yeah. Um, But like the, the game is is so beautiful. The version that we had was like the the highest tier sort of board and the middle tier token. So we had sort of like color, like the plastic like resin minis, but you can like the highest level game that you can get. I think you can actually get like metal, like yeah. colored metal ones. And I mean, it's such a showstopper visually. If, if, if whoever's listening is interested in getting it and can afford it, I mean, I'd go for the showstopping version. That's cool. It is called Veiled Fate. Uh, and uh, it sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear about more of your board game picks now that we get to have you on more often. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, and also the Spiel des Jahres nominees were just announced last week, which is sort of the most prestig uh, prestigious um, awards in all of board gaming. The German awards have been around for decades. 
and there's like two or three games there. I'm, I'm like, well, added that to my cart. Um, so <laughs> I'll be talking. I just got, uh, what is it called? Arc. Oh, it's around here somewhere. Where did I put it? Uh, Arc Nova, I think it's called Arc Nova, the game about building um, zoos, which everybody's mm. clamoring about. So this is awesome. Uh, I just bought that. It just arrived the other day. So I'm like, I'm back, baby. Board games. <laughs> <laughs> After like three years off. I was gonna, I was gonna, I, I wasn't. I was gonna. You don't. You don't want me to say what I was gonna say, Jeb. Oh, about me having no friends. <laughs> I mean, I was not in exactly <laughs> those words, but you know, if you need, <laughs> I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, so I've been playing a crap ton of Candyland. <laughs> oh man, do not get me started on Candyland. Do not get me started. My wife purchased. Uh, Candyland for my children, and I almost got a divorce. I, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, in this house, in this, you're bringing Candyland in, to this house. You dare sully this How? land? Do you not see the rows and rows of board games? Like you brought, you bought candy. You like it's for kids? I believe. No, I, I, I could, I could do a dissertation on Candyland. There's a special place in hell. It, I believe Candyland <laughs> teaches only one thing to children, and mm. that is to cheat. Because Candyland is a game, is a game where you just happen to pull a card and you mm. get thrown all the way to the end of the game. So what do kids want to do? They want to ensure that they get that card. Because it is <laughs> utter chance. There's no skill or choice to be made that will allow you to get there is pure chance so what what does that what does that encourage it encourages let's figure out a way to get that card into my hands so when i was a kid and i had Candyland, we my sister and i like folded that card so you could see where it was in the deck i love this so much <laughs> That's the only the only lesson it teaches children is figure out a way to cheat yeah I mean, I don't want to say it sounds like you've been living in savory land, but that's a lot of salt, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and wake my kids up, and I'm going to give them a firm talking to about yeah. uh, what a Candy proper is, board is game garbage. is. Garbage. It's hot <laughs> garbage. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, this has been delightful. <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Uh, we do have party gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Adam Leonard, thank you so much for being here, sir. It's always fun to talk to you. Oh, man, I enjoy so much every time I come on this show. I, I appreciate your company and uh, your time. Thank you. Thank you. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you do online. Well, Megadads has been going for eight years strong. We've recently rebooted our podcast, Megadads Live, which you can find on all of your podcast listeners of choice. The website is megadads.org, and we do everything from reviews to the pre, uh, pre-mentioned podcast. We have web comics, all sorts of videos, things like that. So everything that you want to find, whether it's for the Megadads, the Mega Moms, or the Mega Kids in your life, you can go to megadads.org for everything Megadads. As I said at the top, an empire that you have built. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Lana Bashinsky, also awesome to chat with you. It's always a treat. Uh, tell folks where they can follow you and the things that you do online. 
Yeah. Um, you can follow me. The best way to follow me is on Twitter. I am at Latayani. That's spelled L-A-T-I-E-N-I-E. Um, I love chatting about video games and video game development and animation, agnostic of video games. Um, so feel free to give me a follow there. Uh, I also run the Riot Animation Team Twitter account. That is at RAT, R-A-T Animators on Twitter. We do live streams where we do demo reel reviews uh, and other things. We got a, uh, a stream coming up. Uh, no date set yet, but it's not going to be demo reviews. So if you're interested in game dev, you should keep an eye there. Uh, and I guess you can find me on sometimes on Wednesdays, yeah. <laughs> uh, hanging out with uh, you and Christian on DLC, the old paid DLC, which I am very excited to be able to say and really excited uh, for our first midweek episode. It is uh, going to be an absolute treat. And we're um, so, so excited we can make it work. Uh, yes. So uh, check that out. That's <laughs> patreon.com slash DLC pod. Uh, and you also can get uh, ad free episodes. You can get the video version on demand. Uh, it's it's really wonderful. You can get your name shouted out at the end of our episodes. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, you can hear me talk about movies and TV shows on the film cast. You can hear me talk about science, uh, making it fun and funny with a guy you may be familiar with if you watched any of Star Wars Celebration, Anthony Carboni. Uh, he's, you know, he and I have been doing a show for uh, a long, long time together it's called We Have Concerns. It's award-winning, an award-winning science show. We have concerns.com. Uh, also, if you want to hear me as a sportscaster, which is evidently what I am now in a way, um, I do uh, fan-controlled football. And this coming week is playoffs. Playoffs? Yes, playoffs <laughs> uh, for the uh, fan-controlled football. It, an absolutely wild weekend this last weekend. Uh, one of the most entertaining weekends of football on, at any level that you will see happened at fan-controlled football. I was there in the booth uh, for two of the games, uh, and I will be there in the booth for the playoffs next week. Check it out, twitch.tv slash FCF. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Adam, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. You know, I am a guy loves music i have a special connection with music i love listening um, to new bands and going to live performances and one of my favorite bands is wilco and they released a new album which is called cruel cruel country uh and this album is like a two hour long experience which was great for me over the long holiday weekend i went to see the in-laws um, over this last weekend. And so it's a perfect album to listen to over a drive. Uh, it is an acoustic, ethereal narrative piece about the state of America, which is not great. Uh, as you can tell from the album title, Cruel Country, um, it is a lot of hippie rock, kind of what I call weed rock, uh, which is, you know, the it's it's not... Uh, the kind of thing that you're going to listen to on, you know, this is this is now music 45 or whatever. Uh, it is very um, 
narrative and story heavy musical theater. Uh, I really appreciate this look at America and its current state. Um, the title track of Cruel Country uses a lot of country music template. And they actually do this thing where the uh, slide guitar, everybody who knows country music knows the slide guitar. Wilco does this thing where they use the slide guitar to kind of um, emulate the sound of emergency vehicle sirens. Uh, so you might imagine what they might do narratively with that, where it is uh, testimonial to the state of America right now. And it is really uh, not the kind of thing that you're going to tap your toes to, but it's the kind of music that you're going to think along with. And I found mm-hmm. this album to be very evocative and um, I, I found it very uh relevant to the current state of America in 2022. It's Wilco cruel country. I found it to be very powerful music. Awesome. Wilco cruel country. Lana, how about you? Um, I have one big parting gift and one teeny parting gift. My cool. wasn't, well, wasn't that big, but, uh, I'm reading a book right now. I've actually not quite done it, but it's called a shadow in summer by Daniel Abraham. Mm. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Abraham is one half of James S.A. Corey, known for the Expanse series, a co-author. Um, it was a little slow to get into. Uh, basically, I read all the Expanse books and I was like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed these. And then I didn't quite know what to read next. I was like, well, there are two authors. Maybe I'll check out just one of their work to see how that that is. Um, it's... Uh, Sort of about like this interesting society and and sort of like a little bit of a I guess polit- political drama, but like in a fantasy setting, and uh, a little slow to get into. It really just throws you in like not that deep of a deep end, but like the the customs and the gestures and how the people communicate was a little. Um, not challenging to get through, but like heavier to get through at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I really like the way the story has escalated so far. I'm about halfway through. Um, and I think I can say solid recommend so far. Really, really enjoying it actually. Awesome. Um, yeah. A Shadow in Summer by Daniel Abraham. Um, and the other thing is, you know, the Oilers, I think, are making it into the Western Conference Finals. Edmonton Oilers, watch some hockey. I think they're playing the old Colorado there, yeah. Jeff. So, Avalanche. Uh, yeah. Woo! <laughs> Uh, I hope that they toast you. That's all. Watch the playoffs. <laughs> I, uh, I I have never really been into hockey. And then I went and saw an avalanche game here in Colorado. And I was like, I could get into it's hockey. fun. It's so fun. It's so fast. fun. Yeah. So now I guess I'll, now I guess I have to root for the avalanche against your Oilers. But, yeah, uh, maybe. I'm debating actually flying out to Denver to follow the Oilers for a game. Well, um, if you need a place to stay. I got a I got a guest room. Oh, we'll, t- we'll we'll t- we'll we'll take this offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool, awesome. Hockey, it's happening. Uh, hey, my parting gift uh, is a movie that was completely unexpected that just blew the doors off my household. Uh, watched it with my kids, but man, it is uh, it is a, a movie that you could enjoy just as an adult if you grew up like me watching Chip and Dale. Chippendales Rescue Rangers, the movie, uh, even if you didn't grow up watching them, it, it, you don't need to. If you just grew up in the uh, the 80s or 90s or 2000s and you were you were alive 
and uh, aware of uh, of like how, of how animation worked back then. Yeah. Do you, you have know? a television? Yes. Did you like? Did you guys have you guys seen this movie? Oh, oh yeah. I I have not seen it, but when I, I first saw the voice casting, I was like, I don't know. But then when I started seeing like bits of it come out, I'm like, oh no, I I need to see this movie. This movie is Brilliant. a trip. <laughs> it's brilliant, and it is Atlanta. It's kind of a love letter to animation, just like yeah. all varieties of animation. I mean, there's claymation in it there's stop motion there's 3d animated you know it's 2d it's like all kinds of animation and the number of references it's the movie that um you know that ready player one wishes it was it's the movie that (laughs) that free free guy wishes it was you know it's Mm. it, it does that like referential kind of meta take on things better than any of these and it's so funny it's legit laugh out loud funny uh i was just shocked at how good chippendale rescue rangers movie was can so, you like unhear john Mulaney and andy samberg or is it like yeah that's no, just them it's, it's definitely them but the premise of the movie is that chip and dale were actors that went to hollywood and and made the chip and dale's rescue rangers show yeah so like they're like i want chip and dale like th- those voices were put ons like in the context yeah. of this this uh, you know thing. it's so, yeah. so wild yeah it's <laughs> really oh, funny it's really funny. but yes it, you definitely still hear john mulaney the whole time but mm-hmm. um i don't know i love his i love his comedy and I, and I oh i now. love his comedy yeah, yeah for sure uh i mean then there's other characters like um jk simmons is it is like that's obviously jk simmons <laughs> you know it's like there's no the most non- notable voice cast <laughs> yeah but yeah that's just I mean, that's he's like he's like Gumby the hard broiled cop. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. It's really funny. Uh, anyway, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, from Richard in Texas. Richard writes, uh, my parting gift is the website Framed WTF. It's like Wordle, but for movies. Each day you're presented with a new puzzle. You have six chances to guess the name of a movie based on six different frames. My buddies and I compete with each other daily to see who can figure it out in the fewest guesses. Give it a try. If you like Wordle, stay rad. Thanks, Richard. Uh, the Wordleification of all <laughs> media is continuing, but I think this is a pretty clever idea, is uh, taking the Wordle formula and moving it to movies and, and images. So uh, framed WTF. I guess framed dot WTF is what the website is. If you'd like to have your parting gift read on our show, send it to us, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Adam Leonard and Lana Bashinsky for joining me tonight. Uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, we missed you, Christian, but really not that much because I had uh, two awesome guests. Uh, thanks to our musical <laughs> contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Our theme song was created by White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, Thanks to each and every one of you who download and listen to the show. But in particular, thanks to our hype train patrons, which Christian sent a personalized thank you for, which we'll listen to right now. Hey, everyone. I might not be on this week's episode, but I am with you all. And I am especially with all of our hype train patrons who help make this show possible and keep it going week in and week out. Thank you all so very much. John Sisko, Matt Valdez, Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, 
Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Michael S., Relentless Rex, Curtis from Louisville, Jonathan, Spiceman Forever, Shuplifer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with one L Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Zachary White, Nate, Jenny, Scott Hughes, Neil Shaw, Jimmy Radcliffe, Mitchell Ness, Jeff Luxack, Matt Bradley, Victor Venezuela, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Sledge Henny, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, Spiceman Silencer, Albert Verheldedios, Yick, Sorensilk, Travis, Jackson, Michael Stedler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peake, Clifton Satterfield, Taylor Wigert, Octavian Ratziu, Jason Novak. Thank you all so much for making this show possible. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for being with us week in, week out. It means the world to us. I look forward to talking to everybody more next week. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.